Good morning. I'm Earl Stewart. I welcome you to Earl Stewart on Cars, a live talk show all about how to buy, lease, maintain, or repair your car without being ripped off by a car dealer. With me in the studio is Nancy Stewart, my wife, co-host, and a strong consumer advocate, especially for our female listeners. We also have Rick Kearney, an expert on how to keep your car running right. I dare you to ask a question that Rick can't answer about the mechanics or electronics of your car. Also with us is my son, Stu Stewart, our link to cyberspace through Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Periscope. Stu is also the Spymaster Director of our Mystery Shopping Report. He dispatches our secret shopper weekly to an unsuspecting South Florida dealership. And now, on with the show. Hi folks, uh, I'm the guy that you were just listening to uh, with that melodious voice. And uh, my name is Earl, I'm a recovering car dealer. Uh, I've been in the business for over half a century. Frightening when I say that, frightening to myself. A uh, long time. Started in the business in 1968 and uh, had a lot of different car dealerships. Uh, sold used cars and new cars and had buy here, pay here lots, lease, maintain, repair, body shops. I've done it all. And uh, I did most of it the wrong way for a long time, and that's the reason I call myself a recovering car dealer. Something happened over the years and uh, it's kind of in my book, Confessions of a Recovering Car Dealer, but something happened. Nancy has a copy there. She's holding it up in front of the camera if you're streaming us. But uh, I kind of evolved into a consumer advocate, and that's what this show is all about, uh, how to help you maintain or repair your car and uh, without being ripped off in the service department, the sales department, how to make buying a car an easier experience. And uh, you heard that I introduced uh, who's in the studio with me, and we're here to answer your questions. We've already got a lot of text and YouTubes and posts. Uh, love to have you call the audio number, the telephone number, 877-960-9960. And I always try to give it out twice because feedback from you out there in Radio Land. Don't just say the number once. I can't write it down that fast. So here we go, 877-960-9960. Call us, text us. 772-497-6530. That text number again is 772-497-6530. And as I say, you make the show. Uh, we uh, we would much rather listen to you than listen to ourselves. We've been doing this for 15 years. You can imagine we're kind of getting tired of what we have to say, but we hope you don't. You come up with interesting new questions, and you come up with some stuff that we don't even know. I honestly, this is not just to flatter you or blow smoke, as they say. I honestly learn something new on this show from you every day. Uh, not every day, every week, because we're only on Saturdays. Uh, please call with your comments, suggestions, criticisms. We welcome criticism. You can call us about anything. And if it's so rough you don't want us to hear it, or don't want to be identified, I should say, you could just go to anonymousfeedback.com, your anonymousfeedback.com, www.youranonymousfeedback.com. Uh, well, let's just kind of go around round table here. Uh, Rick, you're the uh, car genius. What's on your mind? Uh, actually, the biggest thing that we've got coming is that new 2020 Supra, the GR Supra, about to hit the shores. Mm. Well, we're um, not, this is not an infomercial, true. so we can't sell Toyotas. In full disclosure, I am a Toyota dealer, yep. but we're not going to try to sell you a car. But other than Toyotas, what's on your mind, Rick? Well, uh, first and foremost, every week, and this one is just my favorite one to scream about, 
Takata. Yeah, Takata airbags. That's on everybody's mind. At least it should be. That's, as a matter of fact, it's not on everybody's mind. It's on our minds in the studio. A dangerous hand grenade in the front of your car on millions of cars on the road. And Rick and I and Stu and Nancy are very upset about that. Uh, we think about it every day. We talk about it every day. And uh, Takata airbags. Don't buy a car until you check safercar.org. www. That's gov www.safercar.gov, G-O-V, www.safercar.gov, and that's the NHTSA website. You put the VIN number in, and it'll tell you if you have a recall. And if you have a recall on your airbag, it'll tell you, is there a fix available? And we found a lot of people out there are buying cars that can't be fixed. We have a mystery shopping report that will talk about that very subject. Oftentimes, you buy a car, and it does have a recall, but you can't fix it. Now you're stuck with that car until the manufacturer finally decides to furnish a part. Absolutely. Plus, there's an app that you can get for your smartphone where all you do is you can put in the VIN number Mm -hmm. or just scan the license plate number. Exactly. And it will tell you in in seconds. It tells you if there are any open recalls. And to kind of aside, any recall should be taken care of as quickly as possible. Nancy Stewart, I know you got. I know what you got on your mind, because you never stop talking about it. You go ahead and tell the folks what you got on your mind. I'm not sure what you're referring to. How about female callers? At any rate, ladies and gentlemen, good morning. You're an important part of the show, and what I have on my mind this morning, as I do every single morning whenever I turn the TV on, recalls. Have you ever seen so many recalls? It's frightening, and we're here to keep you informed. But then again, we enjoy listening and hearing from you and all the information you have to share. So uh, join us this morning. Be part of the show. Knowledge is power. 877-960-9960. Or you can give us a text. That's real important. We get a lot of texts. We get a lot of YouTube also from uh, Rick at 772-497-6530. And uh, as Earl suggested earlier, ladies... You're an important part of the show. Give us a call. I have $50 for the first two female callers. 877. First two new female callers. If you haven't called the show before, 50 bucks cash, no conditions. New. New, new, new. Okay, ladies, 877-960-9960. Give me a call. Now back to the recovering car dealer. Well, Stu, you're next. Uh, you're going to be gone for a couple of weeks, and I think... Uh, uh, you always have something interesting on your mind. Well, right now I'm wondering how we're going to get through the 15 text messages that were waiting for us when we got here to the studio this morning. Let's dive in. Today, the uh, it will be time management. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> and I'm also really um, thinking about the new studio. Uh, we have a lot of questions all the time um, online when we're moving into the new studio. I think it's next Saturday. And I I'm not going to be there, which really, I know. Yay. I'm going to miss it. You guys Thanks, are going to do a, I think you guys are going to do a practice run this coming week mm-hmm. just to get through new, using the new equipment yep. and everything. But uh, when I come back, you guys will be pros. Just tell me how to how to work the equipment. Well, you got a replacement, don't you? Oh, I, well, well I, I thought we were going to announce that in a very temporary special way. temporary replacement. Well, the our world world renowned collision and insurance expert Alan Napier will be taking my place in the studio for the next two Saturdays, and he's a fan favorite. So yeah. he is. He's very popular. Yeah. Well, if we want to get to the text, I see the phone is ringing, but maybe I can get through the first one before uh, we get them on the line. Uh, first one is on youranonymousfeedback.com, and it says, Hello, Earl and Rick. So I'm confused. 
why did the Toyota rep tell me my oil is good for 10,000 miles if I have to change it at six months, even if the car has only 3,000 miles on it? Uh, what is the service schedule for a regular 2019 Toyota Camry, Corolla, or RAV4? I think I can answer that. The service rep was wrong, and he should have given you a more complete answer because it's time and mileage. Correct. So uh, it's a common thing, common confusing. Most people put more than 5,000 miles in six months on their car, and they put more than uh, 10,000 miles in a year. But a lot of people don't, particularly in South Florida. So remember, as confusing and as counterintuitive as it sounds, you could drive a car for 1,000 miles, but in 12 months with synthetic oil, you need to change that Once oil. Once a year, that's it. Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, oh, it's, I thought we had a call. Well, they're still getting queued up, so I go on to the next one really okay. quick. Um, good morning. Question for Rick and Earl. Are there any negatives to using a pressure cleaner to wash your car? I see a lot of mobile detailers use them. Would I damage my paint if I use a pressure washer at home and did it myself? That's a great question. I don't think we've had that before. Well, Rick, I know I sound like I'm jumping in and answering all your questions, but I dropped the ball on that. I got I saw that anonymous text, and I talked to Alan because I figured he'd be the expert. He is. And Alan basically says a power washer in your car is a could be problematic. It could be okay, depending on your paint. And if you have a, a fresh paint and it's uh, strong and solid and not faded and cracked or anything like that, then it could withstand the pressure washer and you could probably do it. Yeah. But generally speaking, it's 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 problematic because if your paint isn't up to par, yeah. you could peel the paint off. And there's also little things you can get like at Home Depot. It's, it, it's not powered by a compressor. It's something you screw onto the end of your hose, your garden hose, mm-hmm. and it's not nearly as powerful as a, um, you know, a gas-powered pressure washer right so I that have probably just that. yeah so that's great for outside windows yep. and gutters and I things have that. like that yeah and uh, with all the variables with a pressure cleaner I advise yeah. not yeah. to. You can take your skin off with one of those, uh, mm. you know, Absolutely. professional oh, yes. ones. Yeah. I think Rudy's talking to his mom on the phone, so no. we could probably go <laughs> ahead and uh, do another okay, text. Okay, here's, here's a good one. By the way, I'm just clearing out all the anonymous feedback ones, um, but this one says, Dear Earl, uh, oh, th- this is good. Uh, what are the chances you will mystery shop Broward or Dade County? Mm. Look at it. Yeah, we got a surprise <laughs> for you today. Uh, these dealerships are out of control. Do you ever look at the Better Business Bureau complaints online with these dealerships? Uh, yes, we do. We're weird. That's pretty much all we do. Um, and many have DNF ratings, and they could care less. And actually saying that they could care less, that's that's an accurate statement because all you have to do to get an A rating on Better Business Bureau is just respond to the complaints. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I bet you didn't know that. That's true. The Better Business Bureau, I mean, I don't think they're a bad group. We've always been a member of the Better Business Bureau. But it's kind of silly to be able to be a bad guy and take advantage of a lot of customers and as long as you respond to the better business yeah. bureau complaint you get a star Here, here's an example somebody could say you ripped me off you stole ten thousand dollars from me the, the, the dealership could reply nope and that would that i would did qualify. not do that right i, I deny it they're right. pretty uh, i think they're pretty loose and fancy free yeah. it used to yeah. be pretty strict but uh yeah, yeah they've lost their flavor okay let's keep uh, keep on rolling okay um this is anonymous. Uh, can you please explain the Patriot, Patriot Act forms? Who has to sign them? Uh, when are they required? And under what circumstances are they not required when purchasing a car? Well, I can answer that. Um, all car dealers are um, have regulations they have to comply, and some came from the Patriot Act, which I think was back in 2001, 2002. Um, there is a government agency called the Office of Foreign Asset Control, and they just want to make sure that, that money that's go- getting moved around. Repeat that. The uh, Office of Foreign Asset Control. Assets. Yeah, otherwise known as OFAC. Um, most car dealerships have this built in when they run credit. 
And that can be a dangerous thing because a car dealer could convince you to run credit when you don't need to have your credit run. Mm -hmm. uh, that is true that the credit report will pull up these checks. It makes checks for identity, any inconsistencies um, in your uh, financial dealings. And, um, but you can also do the same thing by going to the Treasury Department's website. I know this sounds convoluted, but the, the quick answer is you do not have to have your credit run to be compliant with the Patriot Act. Okay. Um, the second part is has to do with cash So you just payments. say no. If they, if they say, we need to take your credit, you say, I'm nope. going to pay cash. Uh, we need your credit because we have to Correct. fulfill the requirements. Patriot Act, right. they say, take a walk. Right. Now, there is one form that you absolutely have to sign, and it's an IRS form called the 8800 form. If you are paying in cash... If it's $10,000 or more, you have to sign yeah. an IRS form. Yeah. If it's $9,999, you do not. But that's always been the case. That's, that's a money, yes. money laundering Correct. issue. Yeah. Yes. Okay, excuse me. We have a first-time lady caller from Loxahatchee. Wow. And I am very happy. Good morning, Tracy. Good morning, Nancy. How are you? Hey, Tracy. We got you there? Uh, yes, I'm here. Hey, oh, good. good morning. Good morning. Good, good morning. How are you all? Great. Congratulations. You just won yourself $50. Excellent. That's great to hear. Well, more than that, I'm excited about, um, well, excited and also a little bit sad about sharing experience that I had at a local Ford dealership. Excited because, you know, we'll put the information out, to, out there to the rest of the community, but sad because it was a disappointing experience two separate times. Um, we had appointments two times at Graco Ford down in Delray Beach to see two different cars, uh, appointments that were made more than 24 hours in advance. And both times upon arriving, the cars that we were told would be there ready for us out front were not. Hmm. And um, it's just very disappointing when you make appointments ahead of time and you're expecting to see the cars. Both times we were ready to make a purchase. And both times we were tremendously disappointed because the, the cars we had been promised were, were not present. Mm -hmm. And we really, there wasn't really anything done either time to try to, you know, make amends or, you know, the, the second time they had only just sent the driver to pick up the car from an off-site location. Well, Tracy, so that's, uh, that's, that's very disappointing. I can understand. Was this a car yeah. that was advertised with a special price? Our car, both times, cars that were advertised with special features that we were interested in and special pricing. Yes. yes. Uh, we've, and, uh, we've mystery shopped uh, Grico um, uh, several times, and one of the things mm -hmm. that they're notorious for is advertising cars that they don't have in their inventory. They may have it in one Grico inventory, but they don't have it in another Grico inventory. They're the ones that advertise right. the ghost car. Yeah. The one, right. And they're advertising and it multiple dealerships. Yes, and both times they had more than 24 hours to have the car prepared and brought from wherever it was off-site, yes. and two separate times, more than six months apart, we were tremendously disappointed because the same thing happened. Oh, I see. What, so, did they, what did they say when you came in? Did they say the car had just been sold, or did they make another excuse? No, the first time they said, oh, you know, we don't have the car here. I'm sorry, we don't have it. Can we show you another car? The second time they told us, and they called us a couple of times to confirm our appointment, um, they told us that when we got there, oh, the driver just left to go get the car from another location, mm -hmm. and which was 
much further south, and we said, well, never mind, we're not, we're not going to wait. So, very disappointing. And the driver actually called us on our cell phone after we left the dealership saying, you know, please come back, I'll be there in 20 minutes. And it's like, no, this is the second time this has happened with you all, and we're just not interested. Obviously, you don't need our business. Well, Tracy, thank you for that input. Uh, their their uh, MO is to lure people in on an advertised car at a low price that they would not sell the car for and then switch that person to a different car. Once they switch the person to a different car, they raise the price and they make a big profit. Uh, you wouldn't play that yeah. game. You stuck to your guns. You yeah. saw the car and the price, and when the car wasn't there, you just turned around and went home, which is exactly the right thing to do. Uh, we have Greco Ford on our Do Not Buy list under the uh, recommended list, uh, good dealer, bad list. We, if you go to www.gooddealerbaddealerlist.com, we have a list of all the dealers we recommend and the dealers we do not recommend, and you'll find Greco on mm-hmm. the do not recommend and list. No, no Greco, Greco locations are on the recommended list. Zero Greco locations. Okay. So you uh, just reinforce why. Say, yes, they, they definitely deserve that, that status. Mm-hmm. And Tracy, uh, you know, I have to congratulate you for standing your ground. You know, a lot of these dealerships, uh, they've got this, uh, you know, advertisement out there, commercials, and the deals sound, well, too good to be true. And, uh, you know, you just, they they stir some consumers' curiosity, and uh, it's called get them in the door. And uh, it happens to a lot of people, but you stood your ground, and you did what Earl always recommends turn around and just leave and congratulations for being uh, well an educated consumer thank you very much and we love your show oh thank you very much from all of us stay on the line uh and we're going to get you that 50 dollars check in the mail rudy needs to get your contact information we don't want to take it live on the air but uh i hope you can call again and we'll get that check out to you right away stay in touch tracy very good we'll do thank you thank you we're going to go to tina Bye-bye. We're going to go to Tina, who is a, uh, well, she's a regular, and we enjoy speaking with her. She always has uh, some great information for us. Good morning, Tina. Good morning, y'all. How are you doing? Good morning. Good morning. Well, breaking news. Look at Ford it. has got bad press. What else is new? <laughs> yeah. They knew... They knew that they the Ford Focus and Fiesta with the DSP6 uh, transmission engine code, whatever it was, was defective to begin with, and they sold these vehicles anyway. Yay. Mm-hmm. But now they're trying to fix it. You know, they're trying to low downplay this and be elegant about it, say, well, you know, the first uh, expiration date's going to be July 16th, 2019, to have these transmissions fixed. And then after yesterday, there was going to be an update as to how they were going to fix these vehicles. But, yep, they sold defective vehicles anyway. They just put them out on the line. So that's that's pretty bad, I think. Absolutely. And, you know, if you read any of these uh, emails from the uh, owners of these uh, Ford and uh, Fiestas, you know, it's heart-wrenching, you know, to be on a highway and uh, for your, your car just to shift in uh, another gear you're unaware of. Uh, you know, I was reading where there was a gentleman that had to drive 35 miles an hour, 11 miles before he got his car Ooh. off the road. And uh, so many other emails that are coming in about this uh, disastrous story 
Yeah, I'm surprised that he wasn't able to put his car in neutral and just drift. A lot of people don't realize that when if you're driving and something goofy happens with your transmission, uh, press on the brake pedal, put it in neutral, and you can just drift safely off to the side. Yeah, I think losing the activity of your of your power steering. So. I think for some it's startling when you're on the highway, and then there are some like you uh, or me uh, who can uh, handle it and know what gear uh, is safe. Tina, it also yeah, matters where you are. If you're on a, a if you're on an expressway at 75 miles an hour and you're in the middle lane, and suddenly your car shifts into neutral, uh, it's awfully hard to get off the road without being rear-ended or killing somebody by changing lanes. But um, Nancy and I were on the uh, interchange on Sawgrass Expressway with I-95 or 195, 595. Uh, 75 and Sawgrass Expressway at the Cloverleaf yesterday morning. And if our car had shifted into neutral in that situation, we probably wouldn't be here today we, to talk we, about yeah, it. Yeah, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Uh, well, no, that's that's not what I meant, though. I, I think I didn't make myself clear. What I'm saying is if your car is having problems shifting from one gear to another and can't get out of one gear and you're on the highway, try to get into the right lane. Put your car in neutral, drift off, and stop. Exactly. That's that's what I meant. I didn't mean, oh, my goodness, the car went into neutral no, I, right, when, right in the middle no, of I driving. Was, I'm just saying that would be the safe way to get off the road. Yeah, I was talking about the fact that the Fords themselves are sh- downshifting where you can only go 35 miles an hour. So the same thing yeah, holds ridiculous. true. Having been in the middle of that cloverleaf, you know, if I had to go 35 miles an hour with cars around me going 90 miles an hour, it would have been a disaster. Yeah. So if, you're in, if you're in a chaotic yeah. situation. I, I hate, I hate that cloverleaf, by the way. Whenever I go to the East Coast <laughs> and come home, of course, I have to go through it. Oh, you I do? I hate that area with a passion. Yeah, and the, uh, some of those bridges are super high, and it looks like the retaining wall is low, and that's really scary. Exactly. So, but that's a whole other subject. Yeah, it's high <laughs> energy, that's for sure. Uh, but most of the stories that I read uh, on the Ford and uh, the Fiesta, they do, you know, they, they do shift into neutral. So uh, <laughs> I'll tell you what, if you're Ooh. on 595... I would. I don't even want to elaborate on that. No. Anytime you drive on on I ninety five, you have to have you know what's the deal, and you have to have a really clear, sharp mind. You better drink a bunch of coffee because it's going to be a race. Yeah. Sounds like you're seasoned. Well, I think the. Uh, sen- I've been on the East Coast a few times. <laughs> <laughs> it's always kind of nerve wracking for me. You know, um, if there's ever any reckless drivers on I ninety five. If you call Star FHP, they'll say, well, was the driver going over 100 miles an hour? Because if not, then we're not going to send anybody out. Honest to goodness, that's what they'll say. <laughs> you know, head out to California. Yeah. There's a freeway you'll never forget. Oh, yeah. I've no, been, thank you. been there, I'll done that. On this coast. Yeah. <laughs> that's what my family is right But now. anyway, I, I, I think my main complaint is, or my main question is, these automakers are deliberately sending out less than subpar vehicles. They're selling them with their name on it, why are they letting their quality control be so crummy? Are they just so desperate to put out product? I mean, that's the only thing I can think of. It's all about the money, Tina, and you can just forget about morality when it comes to big business, especially the auto manufacturers. Going back to the issue of the Takata airbags, the manufacturers are actually uh, obligated to make a profit for their shareholders, for the stockholders, and it's a conflict of laws. 
a Ford could actually be sued by the stockholders if they did not sell cars to make profit. So until the legislators do something to make it illegal and and make a point of it, they will continue to do so. Uh, I'm not trying to defend the CEO of Ford or any of the top management, but they have a fiduciary responsibility to sell cars and to make money. If they can sell a car and that's not against the law, they, they are required by law to sell that car. It might be immoral. It might be unethical, but unless there's a law that says you can't sell it, they must sell it. And our legislators, right now the Senate is looking at this, they should have looked at it a long time ago. Uh, It should be illegal to knowingly sell a car that can't be dangerous, and it is not illegal, and they have to make it so. Oh, and before I go, one more thing, because we were kind of getting into the airbag situation. Three weeks ago, USA Today reported that Honda is recalling 1.6 million cars to replace Takata airbags. So anybody out there that has a Honda, please go on safercar.gov and check your VIN. Thanks for the heads up, Dana, and thanks for calling. We look forward to you calling every weekend. You're so have, de- have a great Saturday. So dedicated to us. Thank you. Thank you so much for your company and your information. 877-960-9960, or you can text us at 772-497-6530. We're going to go to Howard, who also is another regular Caller, good morning, Howard. Good morning. I hope you're cool there because I'm not. It's uh, over 100 degrees here. Uh, heat index. Uh, it's on 92 in the studio. A tremendous there. heat wave in New York. Wow, wow. And I wish we were down in Florida now because uh, it's really bad because uh, we have a lot of places here that uh, the air conditioning is not as efficient as in Florida. Mm-hmm. So uh, pretty dangerous. You know, in Florida, if, if it's hot, you you drive to a restaurant, you go in and it's air conditioned. And you drive to a movie, say, over here it's a different story. Uh, and not that every place is air-conditioned, but uh, it's, it's really not the same. Um, okay, the reason why I'm calling is uh, I, I, uh, I was told that uh, Prius now is experimenting with solar panels, and they have a, uh, uh, um, a car that has solar pan- panels, uh, which is a thin layer of... Uh, um, paper uh, or, or some kind of a material, you know, like the pa- uh, paper that they use on the uh, uh, the glass on, on all film. cars, you know, to, to make them uh, so that you don't get it hot. But this goes on the roof of the car and on the uh, the trunk, and it's it's supposed to be uh, uh, 860 watts. And it gives you extra 35 miles. Did you ever hear about these things? Yeah, yeah. Actually, um, a little history. Toyota put solar panels on, it was two model uh, models ago on Prius, and all it did was it just it ran a fan to help vent the car, kept it a little bit cooler, but it wasn't more than a gimmick. But it's not a bad idea yeah. because of what happens with kids and dogs and cars. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, but Toyota is now developing a new, uh, using like cutting-edge uh, solar panel technology, like you mentioned, Howard, it's like a film, um, that will actually work to charge the battery and extend the, the, the range of the car. Don't have any idea when that might come to an actual production vehicle, but they're working on it right now. Right, but part of that original uh, solar panel roof idea was to gain real-world experience as to how it, yeah. how well it would work in the real world. Yeah. Even just powering a simple little fan, now they have data they can use to build a real one for powering the car. That's right. In my humble opinion, Howard, it's uh, 
Uh, it's an expensive thing for a small return. And as uh, Rick said, they were using it earlier to experiment with the customers that were buying the car. And it was a lot of money extra and not worth what you actually got out in return. One day, we'll have solar power that will actually do something in the car. But right now, I don't think it's on the table. If you think about it, like adding 35 miles to the range, how much gas does that really take on a car that's already getting close to 60 miles per gallon? It might save a little squirt of gas. Right. But it's something. And and, and they do yeah. use real-world driving to experiment. And it makes people help. feel good to say, yeah. I have a solar panel on my car. And it looks cool. And it does look cool. And uh, if you're if you're of that uh, nature, that yeah. you want people to think you look cool mm-hmm. because you're uh, concerned about our ecology, then go ahead and buy it. That's right. Great. Howard? Okay. Thank you very much. Well, yeah. thanks for the call. And stay cool. Information. Thanks, Howard. Yeah, it was great safe. hearing from you. Our phone number here is 877-960-9960, and you can text us at 772-497-6530. And don't forget, your anonymous feedback. Take advantage of that, youranonymousfeedback.com. And uh, we're going to go to John, who's calling us from West Palm Beach. Good morning, John. Hello. Hi. Hi. I have a question about uh, what's coming up. I know it's not about any car safety issues and that, but the new vet that they've come out with uh, that's mid-engine for 2020, and they're going to start taking orders, but yet they're offering at $60,000. Because you've been in the car business, what's that going to do to all the other vets that, that have been so high-priced? Uh, you know, when everyone chases after this one, that uh, you know, I, know, I know someone's Googling it up now to see it. <laughs> Maybe Rick might be doing uh, that. I'm not sure. <laughs> Just kidding. The, uh, Got a I YouTube mean, question getting right now, but... It's a mid-engine Corvette we're talking about. Yeah, it's a it's a brand new one coming out. It looks like a Lamborghini, and it's a mid-rear engine, so yeah. the engine's sitting. Yeah. And the purists are unhappy about it because the purist Corvette owners think it's a it's a uh, they're being traitors to change the Corvettes so radically to go from front engines to mid engines, and a lot of the Corvette owners are saying we don't want to see it, but. Who knows? Yeah, but one of the questions about the value, I guess it's all going to depend on how well this car does. So if it's a hot, if it's if it's hot, the value of the existing Corvettes uh, will probably go down. Well, I mean, mid-engine design yeah. is superior to front-engine design, I believe. All your race cars have mid-engine, mm-hmm. and uh, if you're a if you're a racer and you want a car that uh, handles better, the mid-engine would be worth it. You're paying 150000 for a Corvette anyway, yeah. so. Uh, What's another fifty grand? I have a feeling that the looks and the performance of the, is going to be it's going to be hot. There. I do too. Yeah. yeah, and it brings the main part of the weight of the car to but the center. Yeah. Yes. That answer your question, John? And no, well, my because my if they continue to hold true to what's been released, offering this at the introductory price of uh, sixty thousand dollars, I mean, what does that do to the market? That's and you guys are in the market. I, yeah. I'm not. I, I'm just. Well, John, the, John, the real danger is when they come up with something new. Toyota's got a new Supra coming out uh, momentarily, and the car dealers are charging uh, $20,000. I think one one car dealer is charging $100,000 over sticker. $100,000 over sticker. $20,000 over sticker is about average. This new Corvette uh, will be charged uh, tens of thousands of dollars over sticker. The $60,000 will be meaningless. Yeah, the $50,000 will be a drop in the bucket compared to how much they will mark up the MSRP. So you can say, is it legal? Yes, it is. Supply and demand. I call it price gouging. Uh, It's kind of like taking advantage 
advantage of something when it first comes out. Uh, if you're a sucker enough to go in and buy a car and pay $50,000 over the sticker, because six months or a year from then, the price will precipitously drop and you will have lost a huge amount of money in depreciation. Now, if you want to gamble and think the car may become a collector's item, then go ahead and gamble. But in most cases, these cars do not become collector's items and the extreme premium they charge over sticker price, you've just thrown the money away. Oh, Okay. Well, I'm just hoping that it drops the price on the uh, on the on the uh, older vet, you know, the vets that are, you know, the newer vets, you know, like the 2013s, 14s, you know, that initially those no. come down. No, initially, no. Yeah, yeah it's it's going to be just the no. behavior of the dealers. Yeah, um, but then that will settle down after a while, and then it could have a, a, a negative effect on existing values. Anytime you see a new model come out, John, on any vehicle, especially a radical model like you're talking about with a Midigen, uh, you're going to see a spike in the price, and it's going to stay up there for a while. And as Stu said, it'll come back down again. You'll be able to buy it. But people that buy cars for that high price, they want to be the first guy on the block with it. It's a status thing, and most of them, they can afford to pay an extra 20000 or 50000 and they drive it for a while, and they get their, you know, oh, look at that, and they people share them at the stoplight, and they talk about it, and it was worth the 50000 premium they paid. The average person uh, is not, it's not a good investment, let's put it that way, very bad investment. Yeah, the Dodge Viper and the Dodge Challenger, yeah. the the Hellcat and the Demon were, and the new Red Eye, exactly. were great examples of that. They the mm. sticker prices on those meant nothing, because the markups were five times that amount and more. Shocking. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Okay, John. I hope we answered your question. Right, thank you. Oh yeah. And uh, give us a call again, would you? Sure. Have a great weekend. Uh, give us a call toll-free at 877-960-9960, or you can text us at 772-497-6530. Don't forget, second half of our show, Mystery Shopping Report, is coming up. And it's another shocker, so stay tuned for that. That's a mystery shop from, as we continue, the Carfax, well, investigation. Got a whole bunch of texts. I mean, Rick is ch chalking them up. Stu has got... What do you get there? About a dozen? Uh, Twelve. Oh. Very good. <laughs> Wait, twelve is a dozen. Duh. Okay. Um, anonymous feedback. We're plugging through these. Um, Earl, what do you think of Ford? Um, oh, let, me, let me try and read this. What do you think of Ford built the focus, focus with the power shift transmission despite engineering's knowing and reporting the symptoms that consumers are experiencing? De Detroit Free Press's Phoebe Wall-Howard reports there may not be a fix for these um, affected transmissions. Ford certainly isn't forced to fix them by NHTSA. Customers want a fix. The fix for consumers may lie in a completely new transmission, a replacement, so to speak. If GetRag, now Magna PT, can make a transmission for these cars, then so can other transmission manufacturers. Why is Ford not stepping up to source a replacement? Is it money? Are they hoping that the statute of limitations will run out, like VW's Dieselgate scandal and continuing sales? Ford isn't missing their sales due to this problem. Is this problem not widely known? Why are people buying from a brand that doesn't take care of its customers? And that's from a loyal listener, Incognito. Well, we, we kind of addressed that earlier, but it is such an important issue. Uh, Phoebe Roberts, by the way, she's a reporter, automotive reporter for the Detroit Free Press. Uh, kudos to her. Uh, she's done an amazing job. It takes courage to uh, make a report like that. Remember, newspapers uh, thrive on advertising. Uh, manufacturers of cars advertise in newspapers. And 
reporter is really going to stand up to her editor and get permission to print these things. Detroit Free Press uh, is her paper, but this was copied by the USA Today and really hit the headlines. Uh, I've actually been communicating with Phoebe Roberts and uh, trying to talk to her about having the same courage to stand up on the Dakota airbag recall. Uh, we, they, we answered this question earlier about the Ford issue. They knew that they were selling a car with a defective transmission. They didn't do anything about it. The question is why. They have a fiduciary responsibility to their stockholders to sell cars and make money. Oftentimes you can sell a car with a defect and it'll never get noticed. Uh, I've seen it over the years as an auto dealer. They'll have uh, uh, technical bulletins that go out on cars and they won't recall them. I've seen uh, technical bulletins on cars that in my opinion should have been safety recalls, but if they can fix it and have it quieted up and taken care of without a recall, it's much less expensive. And as I say, the corporations, the auto manufacturers, have a responsibility to their stockholders. It is uh, uh, counterintuitively illegal not to sell a car if you can sell it, if it's not against the law to sell it, until our legislators say and put it in writing, Ford, if you sell a car that you have, should have had reason to believe could be unsafe, you must stop selling it. They have to put that in the law, or Ford is obligated legally to sell the car. And that's why these cars are on the road right now with the defective transmissions. Not because of Ford, although certainly they have a lot of responsibility, moral and ethical, but legally they don't have any responsibility. So they're caught between a rock and a hard place. The legislators, our Senate, our Congress, our House of Representatives, and for that matter, the executive branch of the government, are to blame for not stepping up and making it illegal to sell unsafe cars. Okay, that answers Good the point. question. And if you want to read that article, uh, Phoebe's article is in the money uh, magazine, or excuse me, in the USA Today in the money section, and uh, it's a pretty interesting article uh 877-960-9960 or you can text us at 772-497-6530 next text okay this is more anonymous feedback hi earl 18 or so years ago when i bought a nissan nissan sent me a customer satisfaction survey with reference to the purchase of that nissan i loved the car at the time and hated the experience which was literally a mental battle slash beating I took from a sales manager with the salesman chasing me down the street in a golf cart <laughs> as I drove away. I came back the next day after they faxed me a signed copy of a true purchase order with the agreed upon price. In the comments, comment section of the survey, I told, him, I told them that I loved the car, but I would n literally never buy another Nissan because the experience was so offensive, debilitating, mm. and draining. I've purchased many Toyotas since then and have not received a customer satisfaction survey from Toyota. Does Toyota send the surveys out after the sale of their new vehicles? P.S. I've never purchased another Nissan since that one bad experience. I can address this. Um, it is really up to the salesperson that abused you um, whether or not you're going to get a survey because if they supply the wrong email address for you, because most surveys are emailed these days, if they monkey with the information, you're never going to see a survey. So if the salesperson is afraid they're going to get a bad one, um, you might not ever get one. Let me jump in on that. We, uh, Doug, thanks for calling. Hold on for a minute. I just want to finish up this answer on this text, and we'll get to Doug in just a second, who's holding on the phone. 
the surveys are becoming obsolete among auto manufacturers. They finally come to the realization, or I should say they finally admitted that the surveys were being manipulated. And as Stu just uh, said, if the salesman doesn't, if he feels like he gave you a hard time, the salesman will put down the wrong email address or just not put you down to get a survey. So the manufacturers have finally recognized that the uh, CSI score, they used to call it, that comes in from the surveys are pretty meaningless. What they've gone to now is if you bought the car from this dealer, did you go back and buy another car from this dealer? They call that sales retention. So a loyalty in, in, to the dealership and loyalty to the manufacturer is becoming a more important and accurate indicator. The surveys are manipulated. Car dealers are offering free tax at the gas for a good survey. Uh, they'll say, please give me the survey in blank, and they'll fit in, fill it in themselves. We've, they've, we've, we've seen car dealers in our experience that are have terrible practices that we verify through mystery shopping reports, but they get good surveys. And their online reviews. And online reviews. Yeah. So uh, the the true test, the asset test of how good uh, a business is, a car dealer or a manufacturer, if you bought a Nissan, do you buy another Nissan? If you bought it from ABC Nissan dealer, did you go buy and buy another one? If you go back, it's a good dealer. And now we've got Doug on the line. We do. Welcome to the show, Doug. Yeah, how are you guys? Hey, Doug. Good to, uh, I wanted to thank Earl for having uh, Josh call me up and help my my mom. I think she's going to go try out a car today, and maybe uh, she'll 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 get a a car that she wants. Um, so I appreciate you having him call me yesterday. You're very welcome. I, he told me that uh, Ollie uh, asked me to uh, say that he appreciated it. <laughs> 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 I don't know if that's Rudy or Ollie. Uh, he needs an electric car because he's going to college, so I don't oh, know fantastic. what to do about that. Uh-huh. <laughs> Interesting. Well, be, sure, be sure you have a kitty seat. you got to have a kitty cat seat in the car. <laughs> Keep Ollie safe. Yeah, you guys have a great day. I'll let you know what happens with my mom. And thank you again for your help. Have a great day, guys. Well, Thanks, thank sir. you, Doug. It's a true test uh, when you trust somebody with your mother. So we'll we'll give her the red carpet treatment. Thank you very much, Doug. Yeah, thanks for the phone call. Uh, if you uh, get a chance, pick up the Hometown News, and you can read uh, Deaths from Dangerous Recalls are the fault of legislators. That's Earl's latest column, and uh, that's in the Hometown News. Give us a call toll-free at 877-960-9960, or you can text us at 772-497-6530. That's right. Uh, oh, Rick, yeah. Rick's got a bunch of... Yeah, Rick's uh, got like yeah. about a half a dozen. Too yeah, we, quiet. The YouTube channel has been blowing up with a conversation here, but uh, <laughs> first one is Frank. He's asking a very great question here. If you have a vehicle with a Takata issue that cannot be repaired and you don't want to pass the problem on, a conscientious thing, and you cannot afford another vehicle, what should you do? Somehow disable the airbag? I'll tell you, Frank, what I would suggest, uh, and I don't, uh, I really, really don't like to recommend hiring a lawyer, I would, I would call the dealer that sold me that car 
and I would tell them I want my money back, including the sales tax, and uh, and for my waste of time in dealing with you. I think you've got a legitimate lawsuit against a car dealer that would sell you a car with a defective airbag recall that cannot be fixed. He had a duty to know. He did know because it is in the Carfax report. It is in the manufacturer's report. Uh, if it is in the um, NHTSA, safercar.gov report. So you've got a rock-solid lawsuit. I'm not a lawyer, but I do play one on TV. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I'm not a lawyer, but I recommend you sue the dealer if he does not give you 100% of your money back. So they've got you starring in the new Perry Mason remake. Exactly. Excellent. Oh. <laughs> uh, now, Nate brought up the question that this, this has l- absolutely blown up. Uh, he says... Quick story, he, he had a Jeep with a certified pre-owned warranty. It was three months, 3,000 miles, with pretty much bumper to bumper. So right before it was going to end, and he had had his own mechanic inspect the vehicle at, when he bought it, but right before this warranty was about to, to expire, he looked at the car himself, and while the engine was cold, he took the radiator coolant overflow cap off and noticed that it was very discolored and it had a horrible smell to it in this Jeep's cooling system. Took it back under the warranty. $3,500 repair on the warranty. Wow. He paid $100 deductible. That's all he paid. But the warranty had to pay $3,500 to replace the heater core, the radiator, flush the entire system, and replace the thermostat, and I believe the water pump as well. Uh, basically, it was contaminated somehow, and it was a major repair. So he, as he brought this out, the conversation got started about the certified pre-owned warranties and inspections on them, whether it's worthwhile to have that warranty, which it, in his case, it seems like it made a great yeah. idea to have it, and having your own mechanic inspect it, which he said his own mechanic missed it, but obviously he wouldn't be able to pull the cap off the cooling system with the engine being extremely hot since he had just driven what it in. Ca- what causes that? What, what got in there? Uh, I have no clue. Um, well, here's the answer. Maybe somebody put the wrong coolant or wrong chemical in there. Here's the answer. The certified pre-owned warranties are only as good as the dealer that you buy the car from. Uh, the certified pre-owned warranty has a, an inspection sheet. It could be uh, 50 items, 100 items, 200 items. They like to brag about how many items. And unless the technician who's responsible for checking those items does his job, then it's not worth the paper it's printed on. So uh, certified pre-owned warranties, be sure you deal with the dealer you can trust. And uh, that's not easy today, is it? Uh, I, uh, this is kind of a half joke, but not a total joke. Ask to see the inspection sheet. And if the inspection sheet uh, isn't kind of dirty and isn't checked off individually, if you see an inspection sheet with all the check boxes and a line drawn through it very quickly like that, chances are that that's all yeah. the inspection sheet. You want to see some fingerprints they, on that. They put, the, yeah. they put the paper on the fender of the car and they went like that and they drew a line and said, I checked it. And that's what happens. The manufacturers are supposed to audit the dealers and they're supposed to check the cars for their manufacturer certified pre on yeah. but they don't do it i uh, uh if they do it they don't do it often enough and they don't do it thoroughly enough so uh i this sounds silly but i would recommend when you buy a car a, a certified pre-owned warranty i take it to an independent mechanic a used car and I have them check it yeah. see what happened to this guy because it was a basket case and it's a good thing he had the warranty yep absolutely uh, Mr. Darkhawk 
has brought up an interesting point. He says that uh, uh, most dealership brands in his area are owned by Joe Matchin's Automotive. They advertise that they're volume dealerships and they have the lowest price because of their sizes. Do you find that near monopolies will jack up their prices or do they lower prices based on their size? You got it. They jack them up. And if he owns almost all the car dealerships in the area, uh, he's probably charging you more. I would definitely shop him out of that zip code area. I'd go to Auto Trader for used cars. I'd, I'd go online for new cars. True car, but use a different zip code. Yeah. Zip, a couple you, hundred miles away. Yeah, use a different zip code and then use that to mm-hmm. negotiate. Uh, by the way... Uh, Large volume dealers don't get a break in price. A lot of people think that a, a car dealer that sells a thousand cars a month gets buys his cars from the manufacturer. For a dealer that sells ten cars a month, whether you buy ten cars a month from the manufacturer or a thousand cars, the price you pay the manufacturer is the same. And, and uh, monopolies definitely raise the prices. Mm-hmm. It's amazing what happens when you leave your zip code. Yeah. Yeah. On everything. Exactly. And Donovan's asking, he says he recently bought a use, or bought a car, and when he got home, he was looking at the paperwork, and uh, let me find him, ah, he says he was charged $995 dealer fee and $399 e-registration fee. <laughs> this was not in the advertised online price. He says, how can he go about getting his money back on it? He bought the car three weeks ago. Donovan, I got some bad news for you. Uh, uh, they're going to tell you that they disclose that, and if you read your paperwork in the fine print, it will be disclosed probably. Now, if they were dumb enough not to do it, you could get your money back because they broke the law. But uh, the whole purpose of the dealer fee, we call them, which we should call hidden fees. Uh, dealer fee goes back 15, 20, 30 years ago when we first started talking about these things. They are really hidden fees. The only purpose to this so-called dealer fee is because it is hidden. And you serve a perfect example. You didn't see it till you bought the car and went home. And when you got home, you saw it, and it was never disclosed to you. Disclosure in fine print is not disclosure. It's hiding. And that's what a lot of people do. They hide the reality of your transaction in the fine print. You paid $1,200 too much for that vehicle, more than the advertised price, more than the quoted price. And that is the sin and the terrible nature of the fact that our legislators are allowing this to perpetuate. What you can do now is... uh well, you could take a stab at the dealership, but it's probably not going to do anything. What you can do is tell everybody you know. If you have a Facebook page, take a picture of your buyer's order, You know, hide your personal information, and point out what happened to you, and warn as many people as you can. And the more people know about it, the more people will be prepared to ask that question when they get to the dealership. So and Donovan, also, uh, tell us the name of the dealer. We're happy to announce it on the air. Uh, sure. On Earl Sterling Cars, we name names, we uh, name people, uh, we tell the whole story. And uh, if you would uh, post back, we will get to that. And uh, Nancy has a point here. She's talking about something. Had Donovan had this in his hand, he may have avoided this happening. Go ahead and tell him what that is, Nancy. uh, What I have in my hand is an affidavit of uh, vehicle purchase, a final out-the-door price. And you can download this on uh, Erlon Cars, and uh, you can uh, fax it to the dealer, uh, or uh, you can uh, email it, whatever. Get them to sign this, the out-the-door price. You're not going to be charged anything else, anything in between, out-the-door price. Affidavit.com. Affidavit.com. And Donovan just replied here that it was Phil Smith Acura 
in Palm uh, Pompano Beach. Still. Okay. Phil, Phil Smith. Phil Smith. Smith. Our old buddy. Phil Smith. I uh, I used to know Phil Smith. Yep. Uh, Phil passed away, God rest his soul. But uh, Phil Smith, Acura, and Pompano Beach is charging $1,200 in hidden fees that the buyers do not know until they get home and have a chance to read the fine print. Donovan, if you can, ask to speak to Ken Zube, who runs the Phil Smith dealerships now. Yes. C-Z-U-B-A-Y. Yes. C-Z-U-B-A-Y. Ken Zube. Yeah. Okay, I have a text, and it's from Jennifer, and uh, she does. Uh, she's on the road a lot, and she's getting ready to either lease a car or purchase a car, and she's wondering with all the miles that she puts on her vehicle because of work, what should she do? Lease it or buy it? Buy it. Far less dangerous, far less complicated, uh, far less uh, chances of being taken advantage of. Simpler, uh, get three bids from three different dealers, use TrueCar, use a Costco auto buying program, use consumer reports, but buying is safer than leasing. There you have it, Jennifer. If you have any other questions, feel free to text me. Uh, speaking of texts, uh, you can text us right here at 772-497-6530. Or you can give us a call at 877-960-9960. And I think we're going back to Rick. I think I see where he has one more. We do actually. Uh, one of them was asking, uh, for certified pre-owned inspections, how much extra does that add to the price of the car on average, do you think? Five or $600. Ah, that's quite a chunk of change well, added well, in Well, that. let me qualify that. The cost of the warranty, um, which usually comes from the manufacturer, is packed onto the cost of their car, so that will jack it up five or $600. Um, typically on certified cars, dealers will spend more money um, spending on it, fixing it before they sell it, so that would also raise the price over one that, let's say, they did less uh, repair or maintenance on it before they put it up for sale. Another right. point, and, and that's another dirty, dirty little secret about certified pre-owned warranties. Uh, the manufacturer certified pre-owned warranty is something the manufacturers came up with to sell warranties. Mm-hmm. And they make a lot of money selling warranties. They sell them to the dealer. And they take in a lot more revenue from the money the dealer pays them for the certified pre-owned warranty than they pay out in claims. And it's a warranty game. Uh, it sounds like we're, the manufacturers are trying to help you buy a safe used car. It's a profit motivation yeah. for the manufacturers. It's also a profit motivation for the car dealers because when the manufacturer sells the certified pre-owned warranty, they, uh, they make a profit. And then the dealer marks up that, just like the car, they mark up the certified pre-owned warranty when they sell you. So they charge you more money for the car because they have to do the inspection or they're supposed yeah. to do the inspection, and they might have to do some work on the car to bring it up to snuff, and they also have to pay for the warranty. Right. And all this cost is being passed along to you with a markup Correct. when you buy a certified pre-owned car. The uh, the certified warranty that comes with the car um, is typically just a powertrain warranty, and uh, the dealer will have a wonderful complement to that package, which is the more comprehensive quote-unquote bumper-to-bumper warranty, which costs a lot more. Here's a little fun fact that you can ask them to decertify the car. Just because it's certified, you can say, I don't want that warranty, 
and ask them to take off the cost of the warranty if you're buying that, if you want to buy the car without a warranty. And it would be cheaper. I mean, that's a great great suggestion, Stu, because it would be cheaper for them to take that car to a good independent mechanic, somebody not at that dealership, and have them go over that car with a fine-tooth comb. Mm-hmm. You got yourself a certified car for 150 bucks. And meanwhile, they're probably charging you uh, 600 or or $1,000 mm-hmm. more than the car if it were not certified. So you can ask to decertify the car, how much will you, will you reduce the price? Exactly. Plus, such items as the brakes and tires are obviously going to be in better shape for a certified car because there's minimum requirements. Great information. Uh, if you just tuned in, you're listening to Earl Stewart on Cars. Uh, a lot of information uh, from Earl and uh, the rest of the panel. 877-960-9960, or you can text us at 772-497-6530. We're just getting started. A lot of energy here in the studio. We're going to go to uh, Bob, who's calling us from Lake Worth. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. Good morning. How is everyone this morning? Good. We're doing great. I heard something. Uh, I didn't hear the whole show, but this morning when you came on, uh, you mentioned something about the Supra. And I was wondering, uh, have you seen what the uh, uh, dealers are marking them up at? I thought it was very interesting. Uh, There's a place in uh, uh, Larry Miller Toyota in Colorado Springs Hmm. wants $50,000 over MSRP for a regular series production car. That's correct. There's a whole list. That's correct, uh, uh, Bob. Uh, they are marking them up uh, 50000 We know one dealer that's marking them up 100000 uh, We've heard the range we've seen is they're marking it up over MSRP, this Toyota Supra, the 2020 Toyota Supra. They're marking them up anywhere from 20000 to $100,000 over MSRP. I consider it price gouging. I consider it uh, uh, deplorable, unethical, immoral, whatever you want to say, but it's not illegal. MSRP is a manufacturer's suggested retail price. Their car dealers have the legal right to mark it up as high as they want. It's just suggested. It's just suggested. Okay. So be, okay, I have, a, sure. I have a question. Yes. When you... When you... Uh, uh, engage in uh, an agreement with Toyota for the franchise. Are there no stipulations in that agreement on certain things that cannot be done that could damage the brand? Is the, is well, the dealer not looking? Does the question. dealer have launched to do anything that they want, regardless of, of how it reflects on the brand? What's well, a good is point? That's a good point, Bob. I, uh, I, I think that uh, they do have something. They use that language uh, that if you tarnish the Toyota brand, uh, they, they disallow it in your advertising. Interestingly enough, uh, you can say anything you want in your used car advertising, but you can't say it in your new car advertising. They use tarnish the brand to keep one Toyota dealer from tarnishing the reputation of another Toyota dealer because if they didn't do that, the Toyota dealers would be calling each other liars and cheats and thieves. And if everybody was calling everybody else a liar, cheat, and a thief, then you're tarnishing the brand. But they somehow allow car dealers to mark a new super up, $100,000, and there's nothing they can do about it. Uh, The dealers probably stand on the legality, and as long as it's legal to do something, uh, the... 
they take the position right. that if it's legal, you can't stop me. They might get a, a visit from their from their sales rep who might say, hey, guys, what are you doing here? It doesn't look good, but it, the language is so vague that um, uh, marking it up probably wouldn't get them in trouble. The irony is there are rules on how you, they won't allow you to advertise a price below a certain amount, but there's no cap on what you can, uh, what you you know, how high you can go, which is yeah. crazy. That's very true. That's uh, the Toyota has a rule, and Honda, and uh, several of the manufacturers, uh, they've all copied each other in this. They will not allow a car dealer to advertise a price below the dealer invoice. Now, on the surface, that sounds pretty innocent because, hey, the dealer invoice isn't what the dealer pays for the car. No, the dealer invoice has packed in thousands of dollars of profit, and car dealers would love to sell their cars all day long at dealer invoice. So. Uh, the manufacturers, in my opinion, I think it's price fixing. I think to require their dealers to advertise a price no lower than a big fat profit to that car dealer is uh, price fixing. Now, I don't like it, but that is what the manufacturers are doing, uh, several of them. And uh, meanwhile, you can mark a car up $100,000 over MSRP, and the manufacturers say, hey, that's okay. Well, the manufacturers say, well, you can sell the car for whatever you want. You just can't tell anybody about it. <laughs> yeah. Can't advertise it. <laughs> right. I, have, I, have a, I had an experience on tires that I wanted to uh, tell you about. I needed to replace the tires on my performance packed Mustang, and I and I went I went first I searched on the internet, and you know these are high performance summer tires, so they didn't have they, they don't last very long, which is okay, I understand that, and uh, I, I looked up on the internet and I saw them for, uh, uh, that mo most of the local tire shops were selling them for three hundred dollars a piece, so I just happened to go and look on Amazon. And I found them for $175. Good for you. So, so I went over to uh, I went over to Tire Kingdom, and I talked to them, and, and they agreed to match the price. However, and this was the manager, uh, he started adding all these other stuff on. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, and I said to him, well, "Wait a second, what is this charge for?" Uh, it was for a TPMS, and he says, and I said, uh, "Well, the car has only got 14,000 miles on it." It's the original uh, tires. I said, why would I have to change out the uh, uh, the, the sensors? And he says, it, he says you have. To, he says we have to do it. It's required by state law. <laughs> hmm. I said to him, I says, oh, I says that's very interesting. I says, okay, I'll let you know. So I went home and I, you know, I I googled it. Of course, I went. I couldn't find anything at all that 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 you're forced. To Never replace all your uh, sensors when you change out your tires, especially uh, an original set of tires that only only had fourteen thousand miles on them. Oh, so boy. I went up the I went up the tires plus up on the uh, on North Lake on the corner there, and they said uh, uh, that, that that was not true, and that uh, and they did it without without putting on that, all those extra charges. And I, I just wanted to pass that along to people that uh, whenever you go into these places that you have to be extremely careful because they lie about everything. Bob, you're so right. You really, you, you got to do you. You got to go back and you got to take your time and go back and and do your due diligence because otherwise you're just uh, they're just trying to separate your money from your wallet. 
Well, Bob, uh, you motivated me to go back and mystery shop Tire Kingdom again. Uh, this is a story after my own heart, your experience with Tire Kingdom, because I had a little problem with the CEO of Tire Kingdom. I did a mystery shopping report a few years ago on Tire Kingdom, and it was a joke. They really took advantage of our shopper, and they had a bunch of lies and, and deceptions about buying uh, added fees that they added to the price of the tire. And so we did a, a mystery shop on it, and I did a blog on it, uh, and uh, accidentally re-ran the blog uh, like two or three years later. Well, the CEO of Tire Kingdom called me. They apparently changed their practice on the spe specific items that I caught them on that time, and he said I, if he was going to sue me if I ran that blog again. I apologize. <laughs> And we went back and did another mystery shop, and he did not do what he did the time before. But this thing with the sensors, that's a new one. Mm -hmm. We'll mystery shop and see if they're uh, telling that lie to other customers, mm -hmm. Bob. That's a great call. Well, this, yeah, this was, not, this was not a salesperson. This was the manager of the store. Oh, wow. And, uh, and, and, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, and this was the, the original location. You know, that's an interesting story on how that business got started. I'm sure you you remember Chuck Curcio. Oh yeah, yeah. he was a yeah, yeah. most entertaining guy on TV. Yeah. yeah, well, you know how he got started. He no. used to sell tires at the flea market in Riviera Beach off of Old Dixon. That's how he <laughs> started that. his business. He he also started selling tires at the old farmers market down on Congress, oh, yeah. just south of Summit Boulevard. My father bought tires from him. I think on the second or third time that Chuck w brought a load of tires in there to sell them. <laughs> the old days. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> he, built, he built a tremendous franchise. Of course, he's not there anymore. He's sold out. But yeah. uh, uh, you, you just got to be extremely careful. Uh, you know, it's just it's a shame, uh, especially with the elderly population in Florida. A lot of older people, they, they, they wait for the older people to come in and right away, they see the dollar signs go up in the cash register. Exactly. That's right. And your Amazon check is is a great uh, comment, too, because, you know, Amazon's taken over the world, and uh, I didn't even think about tires on Amazon. So I'm going to say right now, we'll verify this, but uh, do what Bob did. Go on Amazon before you buy a set of tires. Now, you're going to have to pay for mounting and balancing, but so what? You can have your tires, put them in the trunk, in the backseat or wherever, uh, call around to different tire stores and say, I've got a set of new tires. What are you going to charge to put them on my car? And what are the charges? That way, you have the tires at the best price you can get. You can ask them what the price of the tire is, but that'll be a lot more than Amazon, I can guarantee you. Or take your phone out as soon as you get a quote from Tire Kingdom and just yeah. keep, an on, keep them honest right there. Show them what you found. Bob, you're a great caller. Yeah, Thank you very sure. much. Okay, have a great day, everyone. You, you too. too. Take care. Bye-bye. Uh, isn't it amazing? Isn't it? Doesn't it just feel good mm -hmm. talking to everybody here in the studio? All these great callers. Yeah. We have so many yeah. educated consumers. And ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate you so much. Mm -hmm. You're such a huge part of the show. Yeah, we learn from them. Yeah, yep. exactly. There are Saturdays when we do indeed learn from all of you. And again, I can't emphasize enough, you're an important part of the show. And back to the ladies, I have... $50 for one more new lady callers. You're running out of time. Give me a call at 877-960-9960. We're going to go to John. Thanks for your patience, John. Good morning to everyone. Today I have gasoline on my mind. Uh -oh. Nobody has <laughs> brought up this year that the government has approved 
a new grade. It's E15. For people that don't know what that is, that's ethanol, 15%. Regular gasoline has up to 10%. It's confusing people to no end, especially a Sunoco station. I told my friend, he works in Vero Beach, please get me a picture of the station. He has advertised, it starts with the E85, because that's the cheapest gas that you could put into your car. And... It goes all the way on up, E15, the standard E10, uh, no ethanol gas, 85, 91, 93. And with the diesel, that's like eight different grades. Well, to the women that get confused completely, and she pulls into a station, usually there's a button that she can press. It says, press here for help. It's in your uh, Wawa stations. It's in your major chains. So if she has any doubt, I would have her press that and ask for help. But be very careful, because she does not want the E85 unless it's uh, uh, written on her car or in a manual that is for flex fuel. It's the cheapest type. E8, E15, I'm sure Earl or his mechanic would not recommend it, because it burns faster. It's ethanol up to 15%. But it's very, very confusing, and especially Sunoco stations. They're notorious for this because they like to put that cheap price on the outside marquee of the E85. And that's limited with the amount of people that can use that in that car if it doesn't have a flex fuel uh, capacity. So, and then I want to say, of course, your gas buddy on the website, your fuel, you should be gassing up on early on a Monday morning. That's the best time to gas up. The worst is on a Friday. What happens is, the fuel gets adjusted during the week, mainly on Monday afternoon, and the price changes. So they recommend very highly on a Monday morning to gas up and to stay away from what everybody seems to do because they get paid is a Friday afternoon. Interesting. And I wanted to say that it's very important. But this, this grades of gasoline, especially to the females, can be very, very confusing. So be careful and do what I say. If the female is pulling up and she's in doubt, press that. It says help here. I think the help is required in case a person is disabled or something. There's, somebody told me there's a law that they have to do that, they even have a number that you can call. But it, it, it's, I can understand the confusion. And a second thing I want to say, too, I want to ask Rick, why when you rotate a tire, some people also say, a station, that you should rebalance the tire. Is that true? Is any truth in that? When a tire is rotated, that technically, to be perfect, it should be re rebalanced? Tires should be balanced if you have any signs of unbalance on the wear, which a qualified mechanic would be able to spot that, or if you feel like you've got a vibration that go kind of appears and goes away for the range of yeah, about fifty it's, to sixty-five miles. But an if hour. you if you just if everything's fine and then you rotate your tires, you need to rebalance them. You're going to spend extra money to rebalance those tires that you don't need Answer to spend. Answer is no, John. Answer is no. <laughs> okay, all right. Answer is that. Then another question: With the recall cars, why doesn't some repair shops and people at a shop know what they're doing? Buy up some of these cars, get them at auction or whatever, and do themselves go in 
to the ones that have the uh, Takata sensor in stock, the dealers, no charge, and then resell the car after it's been fixed. There's no one. I'm going back to last week, if you remember, they made the last Volkswagen, the old Beetle Volkswagen. Well, when I lived in New York area, there was a tremendous, tremendous place that did nothing but rebuild wrecked Volkswagens. He had parts. It was in Elmont, Long Island. But you don't hear of anything like that today of a repair place that will fix these cars, buy them, do American good people with a used car, get them a safe used car, but buy them and then fix them up at no charge. They have to be patient. They have to go into the dealer and, and get these cars back on the road again legally, and they can make themselves some money as a used car dealer. John, the reason they don't do it is because nobody cares, yeah. nobody knows. The car dealers that are selling these dangerous cars don't tell the customer that it's a dangerous car. So you, if you have two cars sitting side by side, think about this. you got two Ford Fusions, uh, one for a 2012. Uh, one Ford Fusion uh, has a safe airbag, and the other Ford Fusion has an unsafe airbag that cannot be fixed. And you walk into the dealership, and they're identical cars. How much more would you pay for the safe car than the unsafe car? Uh, you don't even have to answer that question. You'd pay $1,000. You'd pay whatever you felt like you had to pay for the safe car. But if you didn't know the difference and they were both presented to you as safe cars, you'd buy the one that had the prettier color. Cars are being sold every day by car dealers with defective Takata airbags that cannot be fixed and they don't know about it. So the price is the same. What would be my motivation if I were to go out and buy up a whole bunch of cars with defective Takata airbags and fix them and advertise them as safe cars? I can't make a profit doing that because the other dealers are already advertising them as safe cars. And that's the reason I blame the legislators for allowing this to happen. The only way to stop it is make it illegal for the mm -hmm. car dealers to sell these cars. And although the fix is, the repair is free, um, a, a dealer wants to sell his cars as quickly as possible. Sure. He's not going to tie them up waiting at, waiting at another dealer exactly. or paying a guy to drive them over and drive back. And I'm talking about cars that even don't have a fix. Yeah. So it's, it's the lack of public awareness. The market value of a car with and without, with a de defective recall, or, or, or with a defective recall. Either way, the price is the same, because you don't know which one has the safe, safe car and which one isn't the safe car. Absolutely true, but where the mortal sin that's committed is the salesman and the dealership that absolutely lie to the customer and say everything is fine, there's no safety issues, that's the one that have to be nailed completely, and I'm so thankful that we do have these shopping reports. So Thank I look you. forward to the one today and see if another dealer is involved. It'll be a good one, John. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks a lot, Thank uh, John. Uh, to John's uh, topic on gas, I just got a text message from uh, a young lady, and uh, she says that button that he's talking about, that John's talking about, uh, a man could push it to find out what he needs to know about the gas. And she also comments, P.S., women are smarter today than you think. Thank you, Jenny. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, speaking of women, we are going to go to Sandy, who's a first-time caller, and she's calling us from Palm Beach Gardens. Good morning, Sandy. Good morning. How are you doing? We're doing great. You just won yourself $50, Sandy. Oh, wonderful. What a way to start a day. I'm <laughs> telling you. So, what's, oh, your, what's your topic this morning? 
Well, I was wondering uh, why my car clicks when I start it up. My my Kia Forte clicks when I go to start it up, but it drives fine. Is, is that anything serious that I should have to worry about? Can you describe the click a little more to me? Uh, is it just a single or multiple or? It's like a multiple clicking. Okay, so you turn the key and, and you hear just a, a clicking sound, or does the car seem to start normal and, and also make a noise? Yeah, it starts normal, but it, you hear the clicking while you're while you're starting it up, and then it, it, as soon as you start driving, it's gone. That sounds like you might have something uh, a little worn on the starter or on the ring gear. Um, I would have a mechanic check that out to find out what's going on with that. Because that could that could oh, okay. be a sign of something getting worn or damaged. Is it okay to drive it a while, do you, or do you think I should go in right away? As long as it starts up relatively well, I think you're okay for a little while. But I, I would have uh -huh. it checked pretty soon. Oh, okay. I didn't know. because that, That's very unusual, isn't it? I, ne I never had that happen before. So do you have a uh, dealer that you can trust or a, a repair person that you can trust and get a... Uh, I, I just want to caution you, anytime you have something that you don't know what the problem is, you take it to a repair place, uh, you have to really be sure that they're, you're getting an honest or an accurate diagnosis. So if someone tells you you need a lot of money, need to spend a lot of money, take it to another place, maybe even a third place, get a couple of opinions before you spend a lot of money on a diagnosis that you can't be sure of. Okay, that's a wonderful idea. Also, if you if you buy a part yourself, can you bring it into a mechanic and have them put it on? Would it be cheaper? Uh, if you uh, just for an independent mechanic, is that what you're saying? As opposed to the yes. de dealership, uh, sure. If you trust him, if if you if he's a certified mechanic, uh, he has ASE certifications, and uh, that would be starters and mm -hmm. things of that nature. Uh, I would certainly uh, say that's just fine. Uh, you usually spend less money with an independent than you do a dealer, but you got to be sure that the independent is qualified. It's qualified. Can you also bring it to a regular dealer, or they have to use their own parts? Uh, you can use uh, a, a regular, uh, a dealer will typically do, uh, use uh, the manufacturer's parts, and they will have better trained people, but you also will generally pay more money. So uh, you have to uh, be, you have to be careful. If, uh, what year vehicle do you have? It's a 2012 Kia Forte. Yeah, I would. Uh, I take it to an independent because uh, you're out of warranty and any sort of goodwill wouldn't be out of the question. So I would. I would take uh -huh. it to a good qualified independent mechanic, get an opinion. But I'd still get another opinion on top of that if you're talking about a lot of money. If they say, "Well, I can fix this for you for less than a hundred dollars," then I wouldn't worry about it. But yeah. if they're charging you three, four, five hundred dollars, I get a second opinion. Okay, great. Well, thanks. That's so helpful. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you, you Sandy. Sandy. Stay in touch. Um, I have a text for Rick, and Rosalie asked if you could do a separate show of your own on sound effects of customers coming in and asking and telling you, oh, my car's making this noise, or that noise. <laughs> <laughs> Only if Rick does the sounds like you just did. <laughs> Let's hear a clicking sound, Rick. No there sure you go. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, a little comedy there. 877-960-9960, or you can text us. Please text us. Your thoughts on our mystery shop. 
our mystery shop from CarMax again. This is a very interesting uh, report from Fort Lauderdale, and I think that we're going to go to Stu, who has uh, some more text. Yeah, we got some text, but I have a question for Rick. Honestly, if you were working on a car and it was making a noise, something that's common that you hear every once in a while, if you record it with your phone or with a video, would that translate good onto YouTube so we could put things up there and say, if you hear this, it means this? Worry about it or Great don't worry idea. about it. I don't know. I mean, it in might a, not come through on the microphone. Uh, in a lot of cases, uh, trying trying to get it onto the, our microphones might be a little difficult. Mm. Uh, we might be able to work with Jonathan to see if there's a way that we could uh, put sound files up. But one of the greatest diagnostic tools that I have, when a customer has an oddball noise, if they record it with their phone, I've actually been able to solve problems with an intermittent noise that is not Remotely. doing it when they bring it to me, but uh. they show me a recording and I can hear it. I, there have been times that I've been able to figure out a problem. Which is great advice because one of the hardest things that we've, we experience, I mean, is if there's an intermittent problem. And this just happened to me. I had an issue. I brought it in. We can't make it happen. So if it's, if it's happening yep. once in a while and if you can catch it with your phone, yeah. Recording send, send is a great perfect. idea. It's awesome to do that. Yeah. Okay, on our your anonymous feedback, we have a really good question. It says, Dear Earl and team, I'm trying to understand how dealerships make money on new cars. Is the following true? A manufacturer will sell the cars to the dealer at roughly double the cost of producing it. The dealer then must hit their monthly quota in order to receive a large amount of money from the manufacturer. Otherwise, they will not net much profit for the, for the month on new cars. And I'll defer that to the recovering car dealer. Yeah, manufacturers definitely don't double the cost of the car selling to the dealer. A manufacturer markup can be anywhere from actually break-even or losing money on cars, meaning small vehicles, to making maybe ten, twelve thousand dollars on big, fat trucks and SUVs. Uh, the average markup, I'm gonna guess, I don't know, but from my experience over the years, the average dealer is probably making around three or four thousand dollars on a car. And the cars are, you know, typically thirty, forty thousand dollars. So, <clears throat> percentage-wise, that's not a huge markup. But of course, they sell a whole lot of cars, and that's their gross profit. I yeah. mean, at the end of the day, um, that's the manufacturer's profit. Oh, the manufacturer's yeah. profit. And yeah. then we're talking about the car dealership's profit, uh, which is a different story. Yeah. And uh, car dealers, actually, when you're looking at the total picture of overhead and all expenses and, and the markup, their net profit on, on new cars is negligible today. A lot of car dealers are actually losing money overall in the new car department, but their gross profit, uh, not factoring in salesman's commission, advertising, and overhead, rent factors, and things like that. Okay. A dealer, maybe a, a thousand or two yeah. on a car. Net profit um, about under five hundred bucks, about four hundred seventy-five bucks, yeah. and uh, yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's less than you think. If you shop and compare prices, best way to get a fair price from a dealer. Exactly. Uh, moving on to Facebook live feed. Um, this is from Michael, who had a who, who had to leave, but he's going to come back and watch the the, the recorded show on uh, on Facebook. Um, he wants to know: Can a repossessed vehicle keep me from buying? And um, I'll tell you, it's. It's going to make it harder to buy a car. It doesn't mean that you won't be able to um, when you're going to finance a car. You know, even with bad credit, um, a, d a big down payment could uh, could uh, kind of overcome that. But it definitely makes it tougher. One of, uh, one of the worst things you can have on uh, on your credit report 
when you're trying to buy a car is a charge-off or a repossession on a, an older Yeah, what car you want is somebody you can sit down and talk to at a bank or a credit union, your own bank or your own credit union. Uh, sometimes repossessions have special circumstances that not justify but mitigate uh, the damage of repossession. All the lender wants to know is, if I loan money to this person to buy a car, is he going to pay me back? Yeah. And if you can convince a lender, which is easier face-to-face than you know, going through a car dealership application, credit application, convince them that, yeah, I think this guy's going to pay me back. Oftentimes, you can get financed. Yeah. Uh, Steve on Facebook wants to um, brings this up. He said, I know this is a vague subject, but can you talk about the total cost of ownership for various car models? Reliability and maintenance costs vary greatly from one car to, to another. Time frames for keeping a car before replacement vary greatly. Cost versus comfort. There are too many variables to list. And I think I've read the cost of ownership articles, not sure where. And that's a valid question. And yes, we could probably talk for hours and hours about that. Um, we direct you to Consumer Reports because um, they address everything like that uh, from reliability and also to the cost of ownership. And that is something you have to consider. You might get a great deal on its face when you're buying a car, but you have to look, what are you going to spend on this thing down the road? This is the Consumer Reports annual auto issue, and it lists all the vehicles and the used and the new and the cost of maintenance, repairs, insurance, safety. Uh, Mm -hmm. The only thing you need is your Consumer Reports to, to answer that question. That's right. Um, finishing up our questions on Facebook um, from Andreas. Uh, those affected Ford cars are not living up to the expected function and performance. Isn't there a possible action that consumers can seek under the Magnuson Moss Warranty Act? Okay, repeat that. I, I wasn't paying attention. That's okay. Uh, Andreas wants to know, um, we're talking about the Ford cars that, um, that were um, not living up to the expected function. Is there a possible action that a consumer can seek under the Magnuson Moss Warranty Act? Uh, yes. Uh, if you bought a car from Ford, the, the Magnuson Moss Warranty Act says that the vehicle that you buy has to at least uh, be good for the purpose for which it was intended. This is true on any product. Uh, the product that you buy, whether it's a toothbrush or a toaster or an automobile, if you buy a toaster, it's supposed to toast toast. If you buy a toaster and it won't toast a toast, then that's a violation. So theoretically, you could go after Ford mm-hmm. for this, but it would be quite costly, and you'd have to hire an attorney. Class action suit yeah. is the best way. Keep your eye out for that. Exactly, and if you find a, a claim, you can go online, find class action lawyers, and talk to them about it. We've done this, and there's some yeah. good class action folks out there. Best way to attack a auto manufacturer is that way. I predict if you Google that, there's there's already a bunch in the works right yes. now. So. Uh, text message. This comes in from Anne-Marie, and she texts us every week. Um, Good morning. I'd like to give a heads up to everybody who has bought a 2019 Subaru Outback or a Legacy built between May 31st and June 6, 2019. There's a recall of 2,107 vehicles due to a welding problem. 142 Legacies and 1,965 Outbacks are involved. It's believed that only 20 of the vehicles are in consumer hands because Subaru, Subaru caught the problem relatively quickly. Bottom line, check safercar.gov to see if your vehicle is part of a recall, and if so, contact your dealer. Thanks, Amory. That is great advice. Anytime. <laughs> Subaru is a great car. Yes. I was surprised when I read that, and they sure acted fast, didn't they? Only sold 20 of them before they caught yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. kudos to, to Subaru. Yeah. Ford, learn a lesson from Subaru. Ford, attention Boy. Ford. I'll say. That's right. Okay, we have this is a, a text message, no name. I have a 2004 Taurus. I went from 15 miles per gallon city now down to 11 miles per gallon city. What can it be? I'm looking at you, Rick. 
one of the first things that I would suspect is it may just be this summertime. The incredible heat that we've been having, your air conditioner's working a lot harder, and the ultimately the air conditioner gets all its power from the gasoline yep. engine. Check your tire pressure, so too. So I would check your tire pressures, and I would look and see, you know, is it just because of that ex extreme heat we're having? Okay. Moving along quickly, uh, this is from Boris. Uh, Boris says, I have a 2019 Jeep Cherokee Latitude Plus. When do you consider your car a lemon when you repeatedly bring your car in for transmission problems? I brought it in five times, but the dealer is saying three times and on the last time Jeep had given permission to replace the transmission. So far, two weeks and no problem. So is the there's a lemon law in Florida. Which is three times. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You, yeah. And you have to go on record. You have to send a certified letter preferably to the car dealer, putting him on notice that he, there is a problem that they have been unable to fix. And then they have three attempts after that, including, I believe, the manufacturer's attempt, and in which case you will be able to get a portion of your money back, mm -hmm. depending on how much you've driven Correct. the new vehicle. That's right. Um, this is from Robbie in Stewart, Florida. Good morning. With all the talk about defective Takata airbags, I have not heard from anyone what's being put into new 2019 Toyotas. Is the problem solved? Thank you, Robbie and Stuart. Uh, Toyota's told us that they're not putting any more Takata airbags in there, um, in the Toyota vehicles. Yep. So um, I can't speak for other ones yet. They're not called Takata anymore, and shame on me for forgetting the name of the company that bought out Takata. Yeah, we Googled it. But uh, we can uh, announce that. Uh, a lot of times people don't know, manufacturers and dealers don't know uh, the manufacturer of the airbag in the car so it's a really really scary problem uh, you would think they would know this type of thing uh, some of the manufacturers are still using uh, Takata airbags which have changed their name because they went bankrupt and another company bought out Takata uh, Toyota is not doing that but some manufacturers are okay okay we're gonna we're gonna get ready for the mystery shopping report shortly so uh, we're gonna put uh, we're gonna put the lines on hold but we're gonna take uh, one more caller, and uh, that is drum Dave roll. from West Palm <laughs> Beach. Yeah, we need a drum roll. Hi, Dave. Hi, how are you guys doing? We're doing well. You just got in under the wire. What can we do for you? Okay, great. I just wanted to give a testimonial for the uh, RAV4. That is a fantastic vehicle. I was in a head-on accident yesterday and uh, I just wanted to say that all the safety features on that vehicle worked and I'm here today to prove it. Mm. Um, a car crossed the road in front of me trying to make an illegal turn into the uh, uh, lane going in the opposite direction and I hit it head on mm. and uh, all of the airbags went off and uh, the uh, automatic braking worked and uh, it's just a wonderful, wonderful vehicle. I'm not sure if it's going to be totaled out or not. Mm -hmm. uh, this morning I uh, have some bruising from the, the seat belt in the airbag, and um, my leg's a little sore. But uh, I'll be going down today and uh, taking some pictures in the impound lot and then having it uh, towed up to Earl Stewart Toyota for repairs. And uh, I don't know if it's going to be totaled out or if... Uh, if uh, if I'm going to be able to get it repaired, it's a lease vehicle. So mm -hmm. uh, 
Well, Dave, thank you. to do with that ahead yet. Certainly glad you're, I'm certainly glad you're okay, and uh, you probably ought to get checked out anyway. Go in and let a doctor look you over. Uh, I know you feel good, and you're only bruised a little bit, but better safe than sorry. And Get an MRI. And, uh, yeah. yeah. You're and pretty banged up from what yeah. I read, Dave. Yeah, the first thing I did was go to the hospital with the oh, paramedics. Good. And, good. Uh, good. They had to uh, cut the side airbag uh, for me to get out of the vehicle, so... Oh. Uh, uh, that's been done, and uh, I'll be seeing an orthopedic doctor on Monday. Oh, good. So, uh, so well, that's uh, testimony uh, to following the, the routine. Yeah, the, yeah. the safety of these cars is amazing, and uh, body shop. Uh, when you see a car coming to a body shop these days, you say, "How could anybody survive?" Uh, the cars, uh, uh, they they crumble more than they ever did before, and they're meant to crumble, and they'll be mashed. Uh, and you say. How could anyone survive? And they do. We rarely see, I mean, uh, deaths on the highway from this type of collision are way, way down. And if, you, if you're driving a car that's four or five years old, it's obsolete in terms of safety. And uh, uh, having a late model car is, uh, is a, a safety move today as opposed to just, uh, you know, in terms of reliability. It's a, a much safer car. And, Dave, thank you much. Glad you're okay. And please call again. Yes, thanks, Dave. Thank you. Be well. Have a great weekend. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, before we get to that uh, mystery shopping report, I'd like to remind everyone of uh, Earl's uh, book, what a great book this is, Confessions of a Recovering Car Dealer. And we're making it easier for you to obtain that book by going to earlsbook.com. That'll take you right to Amazon where you will pay $19.99 for that book. And guess what? $100. 100 of the proceeds goes right to Big Dog Ranch. So uh, <laughs> there you have it. It's a great read. It's a great cause. That's right. You can learn how not to be ripped off by a car dealer and how to maintain, uh, buy or lease a car uh, without being taken advantage of. And you can save a dog because, as I say, the all the proceeds from the book on Amazon, uh, just earlsbook.com. Easy to remember, right? Yep. Earlsbook.com, Amazon. And uh, I don't get one nickel out of that. It all goes to the doggies. 100% of the proceeds, Big Dog Ranch. <laughs> and uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'll remind you that you can vote on the Mystery Shopping Report. You can just text us uh, at 772-497-6530. That Mystery Shopping Report is from CarMax in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, again, all the lines are on hold right now, so we can get to that Mystery Shopping Report. Now back to the recovering car dealer. But you can still text us at 772-497-6530, and we might be able to get to some text. Yeah. we got some yeah, we posts. So we'll try to answer some posts and texts. Uh, we just can't take the audio calls because yeah. we're going to be doing the Mystery Shopping Report. Yeah. Rick's got Mystery over Shop- here. Mystery Shop of CarMax, Fort Lauderdale. Another Takata test. Today's Mystery Shop is part four. Wow. Uh, in-depth of investigation that has brought us to several CarMax locations across Florida to learn how they handle the sale of used cars with Takata airbags. This probe began over a month ago at CarMax Boynton Beach and took us to Jensen Beach and Pompano Beach, and now we're in part four. And by the way, the inspiration of this CarMax uh, series of shops is from Rosemary Shahan, uh, who is a amazing woman, a consumer advocate from California, and she uh, 
invented the lemon law. We talked about lemon law earlier. She was the first person to think of, if I get a car and I buy a new car and they can't fix a darn thing, there should be a law against that. And she got a law passed in California, the first lemon law, Rosemary Shahan. And uh, she found an organization down there. The acronym is CARS. I can never remember what it stands for, but it has to do with auto safety and reliability. Uh, Rosemary Shahan attacked CARMAX through the Federal Trade Commission. And she sued CARMAX through the Federal Trade Commission because they were saying, hey, we inspect our cars very safe, completely, and we certify these cars to be safe. And they were selling cars with defective stuck-out airbags and other dangerous recalls. So, uh, uh, Rosemary, I hope you're listening. Probably not, because this is California, and you're probably still sleeping, so good for you. At any rate, this is because of Rosemary Sheehan that we are doing this. Uh, in every case so far, uh, consumers for auto reliability and safety. Consumers for auto reliability and safety. CARS, C-A-R-S, Rosemary Sheehan. Um, as I was just saying, all so far, uh, the CarMax failed the Takata test, and we're willing to sell our shop or used cars with dangerous airbag defects. The last two failures in Jensen Beach and Pompano Beach were particularly egregious because our shopper was informed that repairs could be made when, in fact, there was no remedy available. Now, that's disgusting. To know that you're selling a car with a dangerous airbag, and when they buy the car, they can't get it fixed. And you don't know when it will be available. You might have to drive that car for a year or two that could explode in your face, and there's no fix available. This is what happened with the last two CarMax used car lots that we shopped. Both of the unfixable vehicles were Fords, a 2012 Fusion and a 2014 Mustang. It's important to note that Ford seems to be the only brand we've been able to find recently with no fixed defective Takata airbags. I mean, we're, Ford's all over the, uh, the news now with selling cars with dangerous transmissions. For some reason, they're the only ones that we're finding defective Takata airbags on. So, Ford, I don't know what's going on with you, but get your act together. You're going to get yourself in serious trouble. I know you're shaky financially right now, and Ford's hurting financially. This could be... Uh, the kiss of death if you don't get on the ball and start taking care of business. Uh, before I continue, I'd like to point out that compared to most car dealers we mystery shopped, CarMax actually does a better job handling the, the Takata situation. Uh, first of all, CarMax's website offers consumers the easiest way to check for recalls. They provide a link to the NHTSA, National Highway Traffic Safety Traffic. <laughs> Administration. <laughs> yeah. National Highway Traffic Safety Association. Them website. too. Yes. <laughs> I'll, I'll just say NHTSA. On every used car listing. This link will auto-fill auto the VIN and begin the search. Just one click. So, technically, they're doing a better job. In reality, people don't no. use this stuff. Uh, people don't read the fine print. They don't go online. They don't do the things they should do. And it definitely can, makes it easier for us when we're mystery shopping. It makes it easier for us, <laughs> but um, it's just not right. It should be illegal to sell these cars. Secondly, two of the three locations we shopped this past month disclosed the calls, recalls verbally to our shopper. Now, this is, this is what you should do uh, because, as we just said, we, you don't read the fine print. You don't go online and check it. You need an in-your-face verbal. And 
what's the sense in having the car on the lot for sale hmm. if you say, yes, this car has a defective Takata airbag and it can't be fixed? They're not going to sell that car. But didn't didn't both of those, even though they, they verbally told the, con, the shopper, didn't they both say, yeah, all you got to do is take it over to yes. Ford and they'll fix yeah. it? Yes. Yeah. Even though yeah. it could not be fixed. Yes, exactly. We, we, we still failed them. <laughs> They're yeah. on the no. do not recommend yeah. list. But yeah. yeah. I mean. There's, there's some mitigating information. Yeah, right. Anyway, here we are, our fourth CarMax Takata shop. Uh, we went to CarMax in Fort Lauderdale, uh, also known as Davy. On the Google search, it shows it both ways. Down south, they mean uh, they seem to be interchangeable. Davy and Fort Lauderdale CarMax. Using CarMax's handy recall checker, we quickly found another 2012 Ford Fusion with a no-fix Takata airbag recall. Can't fix it. The inflators are not available. Again, I urge caution to anyone considering buying a used Ford. These seem to make up the bulk of unfixable Takata defects. As if Ford didn't have enough problems, here's another one. We called up veteran, veteran mystery shopper Agent Thunder. And here's a report speaking in the first person as if I were Agent Thunder. After verifying that the 202102 Ford Fusion. <laughs> you like reading my dyslexia, yeah, don't you? <laughs> yeah. 212 Ford Fusion was where it was supposed to be. I headed down to Fort Lauderdale uh, to take on my latest mission. I arrived at CarMax around noon. Walked inside, immediately greeted by Rob. Rob asked me how he could help. I told him about the 2012 Ford Fusion I had seen online. Ford replied, uh, Rob replied by saying, perfect. Let's have a seat and check to see if it's still available. I told him I'd called ahead, but Rob said it was better to be safe than sorry. I followed him into a desk, watched as he checked his computer. Rob exclaimed that it was here, asked if I wanted to go outside and take it for a test drive. I agreed, and we went outside. Rob asked me to wait while he got the car. In a few minutes, Rob pulled up near the entrance. Park walked around the car with me, describing the features and benefits. When he was done, he explained that he had to drive the car off the lot. I guess that was a liability thing mm -hmm. with CarMax. But we would switch, and I'd get to drive the car when we hit uh, the highway. On the ride, Rob continued to talk about the car and told me a little bit about himself. He mentioned that he was in CarMax's President's Club, an honor belonging only to their top employees. Let me guess, their top employees sell the most cars. They're not the most honest. They're not the nicest. They're not the brightest, but they sell the most cars. Car dealers and car manufacturers have an interesting way of deifying uh, those that yeah. the, for the highest honors. But I would say CarMax, for some reason, I just I like them better. I have a feeling they're probably best, better, more honest. It's than probably the because they're there. commercials. Because I'm, they I'm all a sucker look, for good marketing. Exactly. <laughs> they all look like such clean-cut young people. Yeah. And they're smiling, and they're dressed, you know, funky. Yeah. Is that the word, funky? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, back at the desk, Rob asked me some questions and entered things into his computer. He told me that he would begin by going over a vehicle history report. That's good. Vehicle history reports are important. And he was talking about an auto check, which is a cousin to Carfax. Mm -hmm. uh, it's less expensive. It's just about as thorough. Mm -hmm. Auto check report and went down line by line explaining what was on it. He paused to point out a prior accident and explained that a door had been damaged and repaired. You know, it used to be that's all they did. Carfax reports were just all about accidents. And it would be flood damage and things like this, uh, history, title history. 
Uh, they've expanded to go into mechanical repairs, and mostly importantly is the uh, VIN, is the recall history. So a Carfax report is really invaluable. Uh, they're not 100% accurate, Mm-mm. but they're very important. And you have to look at it yourself. Don't let the car salesman read it to to you because we've learned from mystery shopping reports when they read it to you they tend to overlook certain things like yeah. dangerous airbag recalls that cannot be fixed and, and most dealers post them on every used car listing yeah, yeah. so it's pretty easy to find and you yeah. could check it out before you even get yeah. there had we if we were a real buyer uh, instead of a mystery shopper had we looked online we would have seen what we did see that this car for sale by carmax had a defective airbag that can't be fixed. So you got to ask yourself, why was it even for sale? Mm-hmm. And why, I know I'm a broken well, that, record. That's our whole point. Forgive me. That's Forgive our me. point. Broken record. Why does the law allow CarMax to advertise a car for sale with a dangerous airbag that could kill you that cannot be fixed? Well, that's How right. can that be legal? This is a rhetorical question, folks, because we know why. Well, yeah, yeah. Right. Legislators yeah, uh, won't do anything because uh, it's car dealer I, money. I'm emotionally overwhelmed. Yes. I'm sorry. I apologize. Rob then paused and pointed out the Takata airbag recall. Okay. He's reading from the auto check, a, almost like the uh, CarMax, Carfax, uh, and he read it, and he said, there's a Takata airbag recall. That sounds pretty good. He admitted, uh, he talked about the Takata airbag. We found other... Um, Car dealers won't even talk about the re- recall, the Takata airbag recall, and they'll overlook it. Maybe he an, said, maybe an elbow goes over that spot on the report. Yeah, <laughs> but here he said, okay, there's a Takata airbag recall. So so far so good. So good. He said that although the recall had not been fixed, okay, I could get the repairs done after I purchased the car. He said that I could contact Ford, and I would be referred to a Ford dealer who would perform the repair free of charge. And that's, well, you'll, it's a lie. It's a lie. I told him it would be a little inconvenient for me, but Rob said the repairs usually only take a few hours. But if it took longer, there was a good chance the dealership would provide a loaner. Sounds pretty good. Sounds pretty good. But the Carfax or auto check report that he has right in front of him says that there is not a fix available. And he has, Rob has this in his hand, and he's reading it, and he's telling our mystery shopper that he can get it fixed. And he gets paid a commission on the car. Now, yes, we're blaming Rob, and yes, we're blaming blaming CarMax, but who we're really blaming blame are the our legislator who do not make this illegal. The state legislators and the federal legislators that allow this to happen. It's an abomination. It's terrible. He went over my buyer's order, as usual, the, the price matched what I saw online, except he said, okay, we've got a $399 CarMax processing fee and a $27 optional electronic filing fee. So we're looking at over $400 in hidden fees, which are not hidden in this sense, because he did verbally disclose it and it wasn't writing. So this is one of the few times where the fees are actually verbally uh, what can I say? But it's still a disguise there, right? Because there's the implication of a propriety. It's a CarMax processing fee, but it's a profit to CarMax. And the $27 optional electronic filing fee, which is not optional, is also profit to CarMax. 
Uh, I shifted to my exit strategy. This is if I were Agent Thunder. I was uh, late to meet my brother for lunch. I'd return in a few hours. Rob remained nonplussed. I happily folded my documents neatly, put them in a folder for me to take. For the third time in a row, CarMax told our shopper it was possible to repair an unrepairable Takata airbag. Folks, I don't know what to say. I, I just, I'm not going to go off on another rant. It's just so disturbing to me that this goes on. I guess because I repeat it all the time, it, it affects me more. Nancy? I just want to see if I understand this correctly. So uh, <coughs> we have uh, Agent Thunder out who's going to purchase this car with a recall. And I'm not sure, did Rob say uh, that the salesman, that he guaranteed that Agent Thunder would get home safely? Did I? Uh, was that well, in, by telling him was that in a, the report? By telling me, by, well, he couldn't possibly get home safely because he, he'd have to go right to the Ford dealer and the drive from there to the Ford dealer. His test drive. Oh, it's guaranteed? His test drive wasn't even mm. safe. In uh, fact, Agent I'm Thunder was exposed facetious. as well. So, anyway, we're... Uh, Horrendous. What are we going to do? We, do we want to uh, vote first, and we can go over some texts that we have coming in, because they'll be on a different subject. Why don't we vote first on the Mystery Shopping Report? Okay? Who wants to go first? Well, we just have a couple coming in online. We have Linda, who is old reliable, a big fat F, and also Boris, who had sent in a question earlier, also gives them an F, and those are the only two online we have so far, but... Yeah. I mean, remember, I'm that, failing them. remember I that CarMax is the biggest seller of used cars in the world. Uh, they're the biggest seller of used cars in Florida. And uh, they do a lot of things uh, right. This is terribly wrong. It's amplified by the fact that they have such an impact because they sell so many cars. I, I think it's more egregious if it was a small little lot somewhere. You know, they sell 12 cars a month. But yeah. these guys sell thousands and thousands of them. So yeah. big, big F from me. <laughs> it's okay. an amazing business. Uh, I give them uh, an F, and uh, I want to remind everyone that you can read Earl's column, Deaths from Dangerous Recalls are the fault of the legislators, and it's an interesting it's interesting column, F, uh, for CarMax. Rick, what do you say? Uh, I'm going to give them that D- minus because we all know that you got to do your homework, but we can't fail everybody. Um, yeah. However, from online, Nate, Frank, and Ernesto, F, F, and F. You know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a uh, a watershed moment change here. I'm gonna I'm gonna fail them, and uh, I think we have to take a stand somewhere. I think where where we have to draw the line is deliberately misleading and lying to a customer. Mm. I gotta believe this the salesperson was either mentally ill or he was lying, or maybe both. Uh, he had the car auto check report in his hand. He read it. He looked the customer in the eye and said, you can get this airbag we call fixed at the Ford dealer at no charge. Please buy my car and please drive it off the lot. And if you did that, you'd be driving that car for maybe months, weeks, years. You don't know how long before you can get it fixed, and the airbag can kill you. How can we possibly... Uh, we could blame it on the salesman and say it wasn't CarMax's report, but 
uh, then isn't that CarMax's responsibility? To, this is three out of four CarMax salespeople. They have detailed information on the NHTSA uh, site. It's right there on their website. Yeah. So even because a lot of times here, here I'll I'll defend. I'll play devil's advocate for a second. Okay. The vehicle history reports don't have as much information on the recall that might just say there is a recall mm -hmm. but on their own website and once you know there's a recall the nhtsa site specifically says that it can't be fixed that owners will be no notified in the future mm -hmm. so they have all the information at their disposal and yeah. let's let's take the blame up the line a little bit we're blaming the salesman here how about the manager of that car max door somebody checked that car in they bought the car or they uh, at auction or they bought it from a customer or they traded it in they had to bring that car into their inventory. And when they brought the car in the inventory, you know they looked at the auto check car, Carfax report. And you know, or at least they should have, checked with NHTSA, uh, uh, you know, safercar.gov. They should have looked to the manufacturer's website. They had to know at the managerial level of CarMax, this car had an airbag recall that could not be fixed. The car should have gone to their storage lot uh, or they shouldn't have bought it in the first place. Pass. Why did they buy the car if they knew it couldn't be fixed? Seven-year-old car, too. I think, I think it goes right up the line. And this is all in their database. So let's say the manager knew, but how about his supervisor? It's in the computer. So everybody could have known yep. about that. How high did it go to the CEO of CarMax? How high did this go? I don't know. Uh, by the way, that is William D. Nash, the CEO of CarMax. So uh, uh, some, somebody who knows him, let him know you, you heard this report. How do you spell the last name? Nash, N-A-S-H, William you, D. Nash. You asked about the CEO? Yeah. He's, uh, he's vacationing on the islands, or in the islands, I should say. William D. Nash. <laughs> mm -hmm. William D. Nash. we got some more grades that came in. Uh, Ollie, the cat, gives him an F, oh, uh, and his friend Doug gives him an F, too. That's right. And also, by the way, that was Brad who gave him that. That was not Boris. Boris didn't vote. That was Brad gave him an F. So, yeah. but unanimous, zero grade point average. <laughs> there it well, is. Well, I, uh, again, I before we get to, we're going to go to some text now, and we'll be changing the subject from this terrible abomination and sin completed by CarMax. And CarMax, you're going on our do not buy list. Uh, it's got to be a little bit embarrassing to you. You're the biggest retailer of used cars in the world, and we're putting you on the do, my, do not buy list. You should lead by example. And Rosemary Shahan, I'm going to talk to Rosemary Shahan about this, and she's got your number. Had a long time ago when she sued you through the Federal Trade Commission. So uh, I, I ask some of our legislators out there, some state senators, some state representatives, or federal representatives, somebody out there in government, lawmakers, I'm asking some of our lawmakers, or how about some of our lawyers? Somebody call the show and address this issue about why the lawmakers are sitting on their hands. And with that said, we'll change subjects yeah. and go to our... Text. Yeah, we'll do it real quick. Frank um, uh, texted, he says, the real problem is that Earl correctly states it's the state legislator's fault. F to both parties. Um, let's see, let's find these... Uh, most recent ones. These actually came in on, on YouTube um, after we finished the show yes, uh, last week. Uh -huh. First one says, nice video. Thanks. My question is, is the true car or USAA price the best, or is there still room to, to negotiate? 
you should negotiate any price, even yeah. at Costco. Costco is probably the best price you can get, but I would still negotiate it. You never know when some shenanigans are going to occur uh, between Costco and the dealer. And I don't mean Costco's involved, but the dealerships sometimes fake a Costco price. So auto check, auto check, I auto check out of my mind. Uh, uh, what I'm, what I'm trying to say here is Consumer Reports, uh, True Car, or Costco always negotiate. Okay. And by the way, uh, I incorrectly said Boris gave him an F. It was actually Brad, but Boris has come back and texted in. He's giving him an F, too. So uh, there you go. Um, here's a question. I have a question I'm hoping you can help with. I want to know how how does tax get calculated on a new car? Let's say I have an offer at $26,000 for a car, and I have a $7,000 down payment. Do I get charged tax at $26,000 or after the $7,000 down, uh, after it's deducted making the loan $19,000? Uh, the answer is you get charged on the full purchase amount. The de- the loan, uh, the down payment is just um, you're just reducing the amount that the bank is going to finance for you, but you still have to pay the uh, the full uh, percentage on the purchase. Rick, Rick has something you want to say? Oh. Uh, not on that one. I'd okay. Nope. You see, I I know nothing about taxes. Okay. So how um, to pay them? <laughs> your hand was twitching. Oh, sorry. Okay. So this is uh, kind of a long one, but we do have about six minutes, so I'll I'll, I'll read quickly and clearly. I'm having a hard time seeing the rationale as to why a small dealership would be deserving of a harsh review. The Honda had tires of varying brands, but I see no mention of the salesman guaranteeing that the tires would all be the same brand, only that the tires were new. So the buyer of the car would be, so the buyer of the car would be out of a car for a while as the car is repaired for free at the dealership. All at the same time, when many of these dealerships provide free courtesy vehicles, that was something else that has failed to be mentioned in the video. I like the following video to detail how much it costs the customer to have a recall performed. Also not mentioned in the video is that when someone buys a car as a recall, the manufacturer of that vehicle will send the customer a recall notice so that the customer isn't left in the dark about the recall. Also on the buyer's guide that is taped to the glass, it clearly states that the customer should ask the dealer about having the vehicle inspected either on or off the lot. When the mechanic if he's halfway decent, should find out about the recall and inform the customer when the mechanic performs his pre-purchase. I'm going to trail off here because I think we have enough to address mm-hmm. without making accusations. This kind of sounds like it might be coming from a car dealer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I would almost guarantee it was a car dealer. And uh, uh, car dealers and uh, the car dealer associations think that anything they put in print, even microscopic print uh, or uh, audio disclosures that are read so fast you can't understand them or flash on a TV screen. Like, so me, like, like me reading that text. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, if they, again, it goes to legality. Uh, disclosure should be something that could be comprehended by the buyer. And comprehension at very least is verbal, but even verbal is questionable. When you disclose something, particularly when you have massive amounts of disclosure, if you buy a car, if you bought recently, if you looked at your contract, you know you didn't read the contract. An installment sales contract, it take you two weeks to read it. People don't read mm-hmm. their contracts. I don't read. I'm an educated consumer, and everybody in this room, Rudy's an educated consumer. We don't read contracts, folks. You have to ethically, morally disclose slowly, carefully, yeah. and the dealers don't want to do that. That's a yeah. dealer. And the, and the other point that he made was, uh, he said it's really simple that the manufacturers were going to let people know with the recalls. The reality of it is very few people ever get that notice. Very few people actually know that their car is getting recalled because if they would, they'd be repairing them more. Exactly. We have three minutes. 
Um, the only other text I have is almost as long as that one, so I think Rick might have something, and then we could probably wrap up. I've, I've got one that Mr. Darkhawk just asked. Have you ever mystery shopped your own dealership and found something that disturbed you, and what actions did you take to correct it? Every week. Well, Stu Grimmest, uh, uh, he's my general manager, and we do shop ourselves regularly, and we have some uh, reports that not only make me mad, uh, scare me, and uh, it's called human nature. Uh, we have about 30 salespeople, and uh, I'd like to think that every one of them was a rocket scientist and totally smooth and, and, and abiding by everything that we want them to do, but humans are humans. A mystery shopping report is a great tool for people to use internally, and we use it externally, as you know, on this show. So human nature is human nature. People are not perfect. And when people know, uh, maybe this sounds draconian or uh, 1984-ish, but people, if they're watched, are a little bit nicer than if they're not watched. When you see that Florida Highway Patrol parked along I-95, what do you do? Everybody slows you slow down. down a little bit. So <laughs> our salespeople slow down a little bit because they know I'm the trooper yeah. and I'm parked by I-95 and I'm watching. Yeah, we do it about three okay. times, on average, about three times a week. And, and we got one we minute gotta to go. we got to wrap it up, boys. And I, I can say for the, for the technicians in the shop, we're humans. We make mistakes. But we try to correct them, too. So yeah, said well, yeah. Rick. And the, and the question, want to know what we've done in response? Well, we've actually we've had to let people go as yes. a result of mystery shopping. Very report. true. Yes. So. Thanks, Stu. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for tuning in to Earl Stewart on Cars this Saturday morning. And I hope we made a difference in your morning. Stay tuned next week at the same time. And have a wonderful weekend.